Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again this week and thank you for joining us every week. We just finished the series on the book of Hebrews that uh, has blessed so many people. Uh, if you miss them, you can go back and watch them on YouTube. Uh, I have on the set with me again. We've had so much response from having Jeremy on almost all summer that uh, we decided today we would film probably for the next couple of weeks and just uh, talk about some things from the book of Joshua. This is probably one of his uh, one of his favorite books to teach from, and mine as well. So we thought we would talk about the book of Joshua. Let me just say quickly uh, before we get into the Word that uh, uh, if you have missed any of our programs, once again, you can go to uh, our website, and there's a direct link right there from our website to our YouTube channel. And everything that we have aired to date is there and available for you to watch on demand. We also have a podcast that is, there's a direct link from my website again to our podcast on iTunes, and there is a link to the Android device feed. So you can get it in so many different ways that you can stay up to date with us. It's such a great way, I think, to redeem time because you can uh, kind of just listen to it in your car or when you're jogging or uh, you're uh, just mowing the lawn, whatever, uh, you can kind of stay up to date. But uh, it's good to have my son again on the program. He is the pastor of Word That Frees, and he pastors a church in Winchester, Virginia, which is the northern Virginia area, and they meet at a restaurant called Sweet Nola's. There will be some information on the screen if you'd like to uh, go by and visit them for a service. It's great to have you on the program today. Oh, it's good to be here. We're going to talk about the book of Joshua. Uh, you know, there's so many things about the Scripture that uh, I think are so powerful pictures. You know, the Scripture tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, it says, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and he says to them, now all of these things happen, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, now all of these happened to them, talking about the children of Israel under Moses, as examples for us upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And um, Paul said that, first of all, to a first century church. That was a first century church. It's the first church he's writing to the church at Corinth. And he's telling them, not us, Everything that happened to them happened as an example, uh, uh, you know, under them upon whom the end of the ages had come. Now, let me just lay this little piece of groundwork for it. The ends of the ages, if I had a uh, chalkboard and would write this on a, uh, like a chalkboard or, a, a, you know, a white screen, I would draw probably two circles. The first one I would draw and say, this is the old covenant age. And then I would take another circle, and I would draw it like this, and I would have a little bit of a lap over where these two circles kind of overcrossed each other. And I would call this the New Covenant Age. So the ends of the ages are, it is the back end of the Old Covenant Age. It is the front end of the New Covenant Age. So that's where the ends of these two ages met, the Old Covenant Age, the New Covenant Age. Inside of that little gap where it kind of, uh, you know, 
comes overlaps, that overlap period is amazingly enough a 40-year period. It is the gap in which Jesus, I believe, talked about in Matthew 24 when He said, this generation will not pass until everything I told you comes to pass. In Matthew 24 He was talking about what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the world, King James says, but actually again it's dealing with the end of the age, the end of the age of the Old Covenant. I think where people get so messed up is we don't realize that the end that a lot of people think is the future is actually the end. Just consider the next time you're reading Scripture that He may not be talking about the end of some future age, He may be talking about the end of an Old Covenant age. But that, interestingly enough, when Jesus gave that prophecy in probably about 30 A.D., within 40 years, which is that gap, that same amount of time that the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they were coming out of the Old Covenant and into the New Covenant. And so I'm going to read the first verse of Joshua, and we'll just jump in there. But it says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people under the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. So he's announcing, Moses, my servant is dead. In this new covenant era, we're not no longer under Moses. Mm -hmm. Moses gave us the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Interestingly enough, the word Joshua is the Hebrew name Jesus, Yeshua. So Moses brought them out with a rod, and Joshua, or Yeshua, is going to bring them in with a mercy seat. So what the book of Joshua to me powerfully pictures is this transition out of an old covenant and into a new covenant paradigm, and the promised land that we are now entering for us is no longer just a piece of real estate, but according to Hebrews the third chapter, it's rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. In Christ all of God's promises are yes and amen. So we're moving out of that. Of course it absolutely had to do with that first century, but for us it's an ongoing reality of possessing our possessions and our promises that are in Christ, yes and amen. Our promised land is in Christ. And there's a lot of promises that are in Christ that I believe are going to help some folks to be able to grasp and put their feet on as we begin to open this up. If you want to jump in there, that kind of sets the stage a little bit for us. We've been, uh, you know, in our local assembly uh, there in Winchester, we have been teaching, I've been teaching the last couple weeks on the books of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Just kind of giving some background and some, you know, even some patterns of pictures in that, uh, you know, when those books are depicted. Because I believe a lot of people read the Bible and and sometimes it can be very confusing because it's not in chronological order. There's especially once you get past, I believe it's the book of, of Chronicles, you kind of have a lot of jumps where it's you know, either before their, their exile to Babylon or after their exile to Babylon. Uh, and so there's a lot of jumping back. So I've been teaching a little bit on the patterns of Scripture. And so you know, one of the things we were teaching in our local assembly is that you know, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt in the book of Exodus, uh, the next book that follows is the book of Leviticus, is the book of the law. Uh, you know, that what uh, the, all the things that, that uh, Moses got up on Mount Sinai, that was directly towards, uh, for the children of Israel, here's what we're going to do, here's what's required of you, here's your clean, how you cleanse yourself, all that. Uh, the very next book is the book of Numbers, and that's where they rebelled against God. God, Moses sent in 12 spies into the land of promise. Ten of them come back with an evil report, and so we can't do this. There's giants in the land. 
you know, we can't, we can't, we can't inherit the land that God told us. We, you know, we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And so God tells, you know, God said, well, this generation, I'm not going to allow them to, because of their unbelief, I'm not going to allow them to enter into that promised land. So they're 40 years in this, uh, this wilderness, journeying from Egypt into the promised land. And so because of their unbelief, so there's a whole generation that is uh, being born in this wilderness that never knew the Egyptian bondage, that weren't, weren't the slaves to the bondage. Uh, I says very, to me, it pictures that book of Leviticus, pictures to me the old covenant, here's the law, here's the rules, and what happens is, is it creates unbelief and that we say we can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, which is what the purpose of the law was. Mm-hmm. It, was to give, it was given so that it would increase the offense and we would realize our need for a savior. Mm-hmm. The very next book after that, that uh, after uh, Numbers, is the book of Deuteronomy, which is almost a reiteration of the book of Leviticus. To me, it speaks very powerfully of not a law that's written on stone this time, but the new covenant law or the law of the Spirit that's written in our hearts. Yeah. And so then what happens as that law is reiterated to us and there's a, a generation gets it in their hearts, what happens is the very next thing is Jesus brings them into the promised land. Mm-hmm. And he begins to say, you know, prepare your victuals. Because we're in three days, we're going over this Jordan. And you know, there's a lot, especially in the first couple of chapters, talks about mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, prepare your victuals for in three days, we're going to go over this Jordan. The two spies that he sent into the land, they hide for three days in the mountain. After they come back, there are three days before, you know, uh, uh, crossing over the Jordan. And so, you know, when, you, when I see scre- uh, three in Scripture, it always screams to me the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So there is a pattern here that what's really going to bring us into the inheritance of the promises of God is a recognition of what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, what, and then in that recognition of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, it doesn't create unbelief in us, but it begins yeah. to create belief in us or faith. Mm-hmm. You know, when, like you said, we just, you just got done teaching the book of Hebrews, and Hebrews is very much a faith book or a book that begins to preach to us the patterns of the new covenant that Jesus is a better he's a better priesthood we have a better temple we have a better covenant and what those things are doing is is being spoken is to create faith in us that we because like you said the book of Hebrews is a book of crossing over they're getting ready to cross over from an old covenant to a new covenant Mm -hmm. and what's going to help us to cross over into a new covenant is that we begin to hear something that creates faith in us what kept them out of the promised land in the book of Numbers was they saw giants and said, well, and heard an evil report that said, we can't do this. We can't enter into the land. There's giants there. And so what they, they believed of themselves was, we're grasshoppers in our own eyes. We'll be grasshoppers in theirs. But when Joshua sends two spies into the land to spy out the land in the first chapter of Joshua, they come to, uh, they come to a place, uh, uh, they come to Rahab, the harlot's house. Mm-hmm. And she tells them, what has taken you so long to get here? Because we heard what God did for you over in Egypt. We heard, 40 years ago, we heard what God did for you in Egypt. We heard what he's already done for, for you, bringing you through the promised land. And when we heard of all that stuff, our hearts already melted. We knew we were defeated. And we've been, wait, we've been sitting here defeated, waiting for you to come. And so, you know, when you begin to hear, you know, and, and, and that's what, the, you know, when you begin to hear something that creates faith in you, you know, I, we just had a lady in our church, and, and I, I, you know, I was teaching on, you know, that God will give you houses you did not build, vineyards you did not plant. And when I'm preaching it, I'm talking spiritually in, in some ways, but mm-hmm. I'm also talking yeah, in a very, you know, also natural stuff. Well, she heard, she heard me speak that. One of the ladies in our church heard us speaking that morning, 
and they'd been looking for a home. You know, they've been looking for a home. They've been looking to move to a, a bigger place and stuff. But they had a lot of circumstances come up. They, it just couldn't couldn't happen. She heard me preach one morning about God wants to give you houses you did not build, vineyards you did not plant. And I talked about that if there was giants in the land, then those houses that he wanted to give were not small houses, but they were giant houses. You know, that God wasn't looking just to give us something, you know, that was just enough to get by, but something that was more than enough. Mm -hmm. And she heard that that morning, and she said, something struck in me. And I heard that, and she said, and I knew things that you were preaching and what that meant, but she said, when I heard it that morning, she said, I heard that God was going to give me a literal house. And she said, I, I just felt like somebody was looking for me to give me a house. And she said, you know, and I, in my mind, she said, I'm thinking that's crazy. But then she said, but I've heard enough stuff uh, of faith that's built my faith that, that she says, I, I've stopped limiting God on what he can do. Absolutely. And uh, she said, I just, she said, I just heard it and I put it on, I put it in the shelf and said, God, if you want to give it to me, I'm okay with that. She said, it wasn't a couple of days later, somebody came to my house and said, I just feel like I, I have a house, it's extra, and I just want to give it to you. And she said, they literally gave me a house I did not build. And she said, what's funny is I went in the backyard and she said, I found it had, a, uh, it had some grapevines in the back. She said, so not only did God give me a house I did not build, <laughs> but she gave me a vineyard I did not plant. And you know, we sometimes, you know, and I say that, I say that to encourage people because we sometimes we hear the word of the Lord but it doesn't create faith right. in us. Yeah. You know, and sometimes we don't I grab it as ours. We don't grab yeah. it as ours. Or I think sometimes we are I, I tell our church, I think we're we're quick sometimes to talk about the prayer request. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing wrong with prayer requests. I believe yeah. in praying for people, the laying on of hands, all that stuff. But sometimes we're not quick to give the testimony yeah. of the fruit that came from that. Yeah. And so I say that this morning, not to brag like something great's happened in our church. You know, because like I said, I, you know, not to brag, but or just to be honest, I've got about 20, 25 people in our church. We're not huge. We're not a big church. Just planted we're just, it, yeah. we're, just we're, we're a small group. Yeah. You know, I, I believe we're going to grow, and I believe things are going to happen more. But I just, you know, so people see stuff on TV, and they think, well, you know, there's already great things happening for them, and they must have it all together. And that's not, I want you to know that sometimes there is power in small things as well. Yeah. And so it's not that there's this amazing stuff happening, but it's just simply preaching a message that creates faith in people to say, you know what, I believe that God can do what He said He can do. And so I say that, you know, I say that today for somebody out there to say, you know what, what you hear should create faith in you, so that when the time comes for you to enter into your promise, the things that God has promised you, there's faith inside of you that says, I can go into this land. You know, I think was, I think what's really interesting is once they get into the land, there comes a point where Caleb comes, and Caleb was one of those. Caleb and Joshua are one of the two spies that brought back a good report. And Caleb comes in, and he has been he was forty years old when they went into the promised land the first time. Mm -hmm. He's had to wait forty years to get into the promised land, so he's eighty. I think the scripture says I think the scripture says he's somewhere around eighty, eighty-two years old. And he comes to Joshua and he says. When we spied out this land the first time, I knew God wanted to give it to us. And he said, and I saw a mountain. He said, in that mountain, there was two giants lived there. And he said, you know, I'm 80. He said, I was 40 years old then, and I was strong enough. I believe I could have killed those giants. He said, but even 80 years old, he said, I still believe God wants to give me the promises. He said, I'm going to go take that. So he doesn't go into a small place. At 80 years old, he goes to a place where there's two giants, slays two giants, and takes the place that God had promised him. So that, you know, I, I want to say there's some things that, 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 you know, to just create some faith in some people as we begin to teach this book, 
to create something inside of you that says, God wants to give me the fruit of the land. He wants to give me what he's promised me. And it doesn't matter the age I'm at or that I, you know, sometimes we feel like, well, maybe I've gotten to a place where uh, these, this stuff is never going to happen. Don't let unbelief set into your heart. But begin to ha- hear something as we teach this book that creates faith in you that says, I can have this. Even if there's giants living in my land and I feel old, I can take what God, I, I can begin to receive what God has for me. I can see the giants defeated even at my age or, or where I'm at or what I feel like. Sometimes even in the transition, as we've talked before of, you know, pastors that listen to us and think about the transition from teaching law to grace or hearing something new and how do I make that transition, you know, in my church or for my people because I've been so long in teaching something else. Even at 80 years old, some giants in your land or some things that seem giant can be defeated. When you begin to hear a message of faith that creates something inside of you that says, I believe God has something better in store for us. Man, follow that and enter into that land with faith. So I believe that's really some of the, the, the keys of this book as we begin to open it, is, is to begin to create something in us that can receive that promise. You know, I think it's encouraging too, as you were saying, that Joshua was 82 years old. So it's never too late to grab your promise no. and to stand on the promise of God. I was thinking while you were talking about, you know, the chronological order and mm-hmm. some of the things about the books of the Bible, the, the, the very latter part of Deuteronomy after he reiterates the law and reads it again, he comes to this place and he tells them that, you know, that what's going to happen is, he, t- he starts telling them, he said, you know, what's going to happen in the latter days is that your hearts are going to go whoring after other gods and you're going to abandon me and, and then, you know, your houses are going to be plundered and, and all of this stuff is going to happen and you're, you know, I mean, he starts talking about mm-hmm. all these plagues are going to, he t- just begins to tell them all these plagues are going to come upon you. And then he, uh, he tells Moses, write this song and have the people sing this song because it will be a song that will remind them of all of this stuff so that when this stuff occurs and happens, you're going to know that these are the judgments. But after that, I'm going to return and, and, and I'm going to write a new covenant. And then he begins to tell them, even in the book of Deuteronomy, at the end of the book of the law, he tells them, I'm going to give you something that's going to write my law on your heart. In other words, there's going to be another covenant that's going to come. When all of this stuff falls apart from your human performance and all that you think you can do based on the law, and he says, you're going to sing the song of Moses. I probably shouldn't have brought this up with this this little bit of time, but I think it's so powerful to mention. Because, and then he starts teaching them a song about, you know, the judgments of God and how that God had warned them it was coming. And when I was reading that last week when I was on the plane headed somewhere to preach, uh, that's the song of Moses. But man, my mind, as soon as I read that, he said, I want you to, because this song is going to be a reminder that when, if you do these things, mm-hmm. then these plagues are going to come upon you. And while I was sitting there, I thought, well, man, Revelation chapter 15 says, and they sang the song of Moses. Mm-hmm. And the very next words are, you know, these are the last plagues and them has filled up the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and probably this is more than I want to jump on here, maybe in this segment here, but that, that really says to me uh, a lot of stuff about what we teach about the book of Revelation. Yeah. By the way, there's a whole playlist on the book of Revelation on YouTube. You can go there yeah. and listen to all, everything we've taught on the book of Revelation. But when he, but when he says uh, they sang the song of Moses, the song of the, you know, the song, the song of Moses. These are the last plagues. That was at the end of that old covenant 
era and the book of Revelation, as we teach it, for the most part, has been fulfilled in the sense that these were the plagues that came upon apostate Israel yeah. because they didn't keep the covenant promises. And so as we come on uh, through into the book of Joshua, then we see Moses, my servant, is dead, there's a Joshua on the scene. Yep. But this time we're not going to enter the promised land based on human performance, but we're going to enter the promised land based on what Jesus did to give it to us. Yep. You know, uh, maybe in, in, a, in a segment we'll talk about where He promised them the days of heaven on earth and how we can get that. Mm -hmm. But really He's standing here saying to them, you know, it's time to arise and go over this Jordan. Now if the first century church at Corinth, Paul is telling them these things were written for an example to them, then they had to begin to enter in to the promise. And the promise was what Christ had come. Yeah. One of them was the promise of the Spirit. Uh, all of God's promises are in Christ. Yep. Pro some of our promises include healing and blessing and provision, even yep. as you just said. And so, you know, I, and, and that doesn't mean that it's limited to a first century yep. church. It means that's an ongoing thing yep. for us who will walk in faith and say, that's my mountain. Mm -hmm. That's my promise. Yeah. You know, it has to get personal. In other words, just like the lady in your church, and that's I want this to be practical to people who are listening, is that, you know, uh, it, you, it's got to get personal. You've yeah. got to say, you know what, God made some promises to me. Yep. God made some promises to my household. Mm -hmm. God, you know, He said to you and your seed, and to mm -hmm. your seed seed, and to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Yep. That's promises. Yeah. And I believe sometimes people don't put their feet on the promise, and they live like strangers right in the land of promise, rather than appropriating what, like you said, the three days and three nights of the yep. death, burial, and resurrection of Christ appropriated for us. Well, you know, in our the, church, we don't, we don't, you know, we don't preach uh, a coming doom. Yeah. You know, and like I said, where, where people are at, unless the Lord has revealed to you something else, then you, you keep doing what the Lord told yep. you. But for me, I'm not preaching a coming doom. Yeah. But I'm preaching that the kingdom is here, and it's an ever-increasing kingdom. Yeah. And what's happening by preaching that is it's creating faith in people to begin to receive what God wants to have for them. So instead of receiving doom into their lives and into their children's lives, they're receiving blessings into their life. There is something about teaching some faith in people. To receive it. I'm telling you, if, if Jesus was to come back tomorrow, I'm still blessed in what I'm having right now, and that it's an ongoing, you know, even the Latin name uh, Joshua Nun, that, that noon, uh, it means perpetual. Yeah. It's a perpetual blessing. So there's, uh, there's an ongoing blessing of the Lord for us to receive. And so when we talk about, you know, uh, God wanting to give us the kingdom of God right here, right now for our children. You know, even people will talk about, you know, I, I just like to see my children come into the house of God. Well, if that's a promise that God's had for you, then you need to stand on that promise and start receiving it and receive. Yep. And not start and not receive that there's a doom coming, but that they can have a blessing coming. Because the Lord says, I want to, I want my blessings are yes and amen. I want to bless you yep. in your goings in, your comings out. That's the promise of the promised yep. land. Yep. And so it's time for us to start receiving some faith that, that creates something in us that starts receiving the promise rather than receiving the bad news. Absolutely. And you know, I was thinking while you were saying that, that in Christ all of God's promises are yes and amen. I was reverting back to the Deuteronomy thing again right before mm -hmm. this book, you know. And he said to them, uh, you know, when they begin Deuteronomy, I think around tw chapter 27, 28, 29, 
he begins to give the curses. The people call the covenant curses on mm -hmm. themselves. Yeah. And they stand on one mountain and one guy pronounces the curses and they would say, and with every curse, this is what is so amazing to me, Jeremy, they would say, and you cursed be if you move another man's boundaries. And the people said, Amen. You're cursed if you do this. And the people said, Amen. And you're cursed if you do this. And the people said, Amen. And every curse that was given down through there, the people said, Amen to. Mm -hmm. But when you get over to the covenant blessings, I'll bless you in the city, I'll bless you in the field, I'll bless your cattle, I'll bless your kids, I'll bless your cash. That's an easy way to say all of it. In mm -hmm. other words, God starts giving them the covenant blessings. And, and what's amazing is in that whole chapter, not one person says, Amen. Amen. <laughs> they said Amen to the curses. Yep. But you know what I got to thinking is in the book of Revelation again, the, the Scripture says to one of the churches, and Jesus said, For I am the Amen, the faithful witness and the beginning of the creation of God. What He was saying is, I am the Amen to the final curses. In other words, I took all of the curses of the law to redeem you. See, what people don't understand is some of what they're redeemed from is they're redeemed from the curse of the law, yeah. Him being made a curse for us. So He became the Amen. He yeah. was the final end of the covenant curses. And so that He is now the beginning of the creation of God, the beginning of the new creation man. He's the beginning of that so that in Christ now all of God's promises are yes and amen. And, amen. and I believe uh, uh, in the book of Revelation, let me just see if I can run over there real quick, but I believe that the final words of the book of Revelation uh, are speaking about blessing. And somebody finally says amen. I think it's the last verse of 22. Uh, it's amazing to me that the last verse of Malachi says, I will come, you know, the, the last verse of the Old Covenant of Malachi says, I will come and smite the earth with a curse. The last word of the Old Covenant is curse. But here we are clear at the end of the New Testament here, and he says, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Somebody finally says, Amen to the blessing. Yep. See, it's, I think people have a struggle saying amen to the blessing. Yep. But in Christ all of God's promises are yes, and we need to say the so be it, yep. the amen, and appropriate and stand on the promise of God. You're probably watching us today. We're about to run out of time, but I want to, God's made some promises to you. I want this to be very practical in this, this series we're doing. There's some stuff that God's promised. Go through the book and mark these promises down. Make them personal to you. Stand on the promises of God, just like you stand on a rock. God is not a man that He should lie, nor is He the Son of Man that He should repent. So God has made us promises. Put your feet on it and say, that's my mountain, that's my promise. I'm going to say amen to it because I'm in Christ. We're out of time. If you'd like to sow a seed into this ministry, and you'd like to help us to be able to reach the world, through the television. If you'd sow a generous seed to the ministry, it helps us to do that. You can call the number on the screen. You can go to the website at the bottom corner of the screen and give via PayPal or credit card. We do need your help. And, uh, you know, because it's very costly to do television. And I know many of you have watched for a long time and maybe you've sat on the sideline. Today's the day to do that. Help us take the gospel around the world. We greatly appreciate it and we thank you. Tune in again next week at the same time. God bless you. The word repentance means to change your mind, 
The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.